This happens when we are no more having Christ in view. We begin to forget him. We begin to forget all the fulfilled promises for us on the cross. And then we slide into unbelief and legalism. Legalism is trying to please God by our own way, by the things we have. We think is the way, if we do this, God will be pleased. If I do this, God will be pleased. But it's coming from human mind, especially. It's a set of man-made laws that man tries to fulfill in order to win the favor of God. Which means man wants to pay God to win his favor. If you are paying him with all those things, how is it favor anymore? But that's the kind of thing that the mind of a human being begins to cock up, crook up. You know, set of laws, if I do this, if I do this, then I wake him up and get him to look my way and God will remember me because he has forgotten me. And we sing, remember me, remember me. And but God says, I will never forgive you. I will never forget you. Say, a woman can forget the child, but I can never forget you. And we come up with all these kind of things. It's called legalism, legal system to approach God instead of the grace system to, to, to approach God. So what happens is when Christ is no more in view, in our view, we forget him, forget the promises already fulfilled, and we want to do things for him to now come and fulfill the promises, which only was fulfilled in Christ. For us, we slide into works. We slide out of grace. We slide out of grace. We slide away from faith to works, fear, worry, all those kind of things are products of getting out of grace because his grace should be sufficient for every Christian. His grace should be sufficient for every Christian. You don't have to look for anything else outside his grace. His grace is what he did for you freely. Jesus said, the Lord said, God said, what I did for you is sufficient. It's sufficient to take care of every situation you find yourself. But when we begin to lose sight of Jesus and forget these things, we slide into works, slide into fear, unbelief, and the result is failure. So in order for us to remain in grace, we need to depend entirely on everything that Christ did for us. Otherwise, we get out of grace. We fall out of grace and fall into works and fall out of all divine blessings because all his blessings come to us through those works of, of grace that Christ complete, completed when he said it is finished. So many churches have had issues with staying in grace because staying in grace doesn't really make sense because you didn't do anything. You didn't contribute to anything. You weren't even there to see Jesus. Even if you saw Jesus on the cross, even, you can't even relate how this thing relates to you for your well-being. So grace doesn't really add up for human beings. So we are prone to creating works, which we do, because that makes sense. That makes sense. Because, you see, I have done this, I've done this, so God is obligated now to do this and do this. But in relationship with God, it is not by obligation. It is grace and mercy. So, you see, when you do that, you fall out of relationship. You fall out of fellowship with him. But because it makes sense to you, you grab it and keep doing that. 
And so churches had that issue. The early church has major issue with this because they had to call a council when they were de debating on this thing. They had, the apostles were involved. They had to call a council to resolve this issue of is grace sufficient or do we have some works? It was a very serious issue. Even Peter fell for it. And not only Peter, Barnabas fell for it. They fell for it. They couldn't eat with the Gentiles because they were really in doubt as for these things. Paul was the only one who stood defending the grace, defending the gospel relentlessly. They were all wobbling. And so the churches were wobbling too. And so the Galatian church fell off. They believed by, by grace, they believed by faith, trusted Christ to be saved, and they fell off, slid off from trusting Christ into works. Because Christ was no more in view. They, they, like Jacob said, God is here, I don't know it. They, they didn't know that Jesus was still relevant to them. They didn't know that Jesus was still Christ. So they slid off, trying to find some systems through which they can now please God. And look at what Paul wrote to them, and I'm reading the message version. Galatians 3, 1 to 4, you can read any version that you have access to. It says, you crazy Galatians. Did someone put a hex on you? King James said, Did they, is this bewitching you? Have you taken leave of your senses? <clears throat> Something crazy has happened here. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Christ Jesus in clear focus in your lives. You've forgotten him. You have forgotten everything he did on the cross. You don't have him in clear focus. There's, there's no clarity in your mind as to who. What Christ did for you. You don't have it in your life. No more focus in your life as regards to Christ. His sacrifice on the cross was, was certainly set before you clearly enough. Paul said, I taught you the sacrifice on the cross clearly enough so that that would be enough for you. What that sacrifice paid for. Verse 2. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by walking your heads off to please God? See what they drifted into? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? King James said, is it by faith? Or is it by works? Or was it by responding to God's message? Was it by responding to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. He who began the good works in you is the one that completes it. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you can perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. So Paul was addressing this issue of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. God began the good works in them. Salvation was not by works. Salvation was an act of grace, not by works, so anybody, nobody can boast. And they shifted from that faith in Christ that saved them into works that they think we is it to improve on what Christ did or to, to make it better? 
Paul said, this is craziness. This, you lost your mind. Something terrible has happened to you, bunch of people. But it's happening too. It's happening too. It's easy. Very, very easy. Look at the Colossian church. They had the same issue. Colossian church had the same issue. So he wrote them to remind them of what Christ has done. The completeness of grace, the sufficiency of grace, the sufficiency of what Christ did for them. And all they need to do was to depend on it. All they need to do was to trust it. That's all. They just walks by faith. Simple. Colossians 2, verse 11 to 22. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made with our hands. See what he's telling them? What happened to them? What Christ did? In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him. Brethren, look at what is reminding them grace provided us. The, the old nature was cut off by the spirit of Christ, not by man, not by hand. When you came to him, your old nature, the sinful nature was cut off, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the walking of God, walking of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having this, look at what he did. He's enumerating what God did in Christ for mankind, the freedom he gave us from Satan, the new nature he gave us, the power of sin he destroyed, and we rose with Christ in a newness of life. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it on our behalf. So let no one now judge you in food or drink regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbath. We don't do Christmas. We do Christmas. We don't do this. We do that. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Christ is the real deal, is the substance. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility, worship of angels, intruding into these things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ, church, therefore, because of everything God has done, therefore, because of the, for, before, the foregoing, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Why do you think it's what you do now that will sustain your Christian life? Instead of what he has done, do not touch, do not test, do not handle which all concerning things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. I taught this on Thursday. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. Self-imposed religion. Self-imposed religion. False humility because it's not submitted to the, the message of God. It's not submitted to God. It's false humility. 
and neglect of the body, but are of no value against indulgence of the flesh. Because the thing that is of value against indulgence of the flesh is what Christ already accomplished on the cross. When he cut off our old nature, when he destroyed the power of sin, when he gave us his life, then he equipped us to be able to deal with the flesh by faith in what he did. These other things have no use. That's why people don't change. I'm telling you. Because we slide off of grace and grace makes us what we are. And now we're outside of grace. So how do we make us, how do we, how do we really improve if, if not to live in grace because it's only grace that will make us what we are. So a constant focus meditation on the gospel constantly meditating on it, confessing it, we put Christ in view for every Christian. See what Paul did to the Ephesian churches for reminding them, reminding them, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He said, God already created us for good works. By nature, we, are, we have the nature to do good. We have the nature to do good. We have the nature to, we don't need laws to do good. We have the nature to do good. We have already been created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Prepared that we should, this is like God said, let me do this and prepare you so when you come, you simply walk in this new nature that I gave you. And the only way you walk in it is by faith. It's by faith. Look at Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. Can I have that touched? Ephesians 1, 21 to 24. If indeed you have heard him, if you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Christ, is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful loss, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So this verse is quoted all the time. But people don't understand what he's saying. He's saying a simple thing. Stop thinking like the old man. Simple. Stop thinking like the natural man you were before. It's simple. That's all he's saying. He said, put on the new man. He's put on the new thinking. Think differently. Think what God has made you to be. Think you're a new creature. Think that sin has no power over you no more. Think that you have the nature of Christ. Think that Christ is your life. Think, think new, 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 new. Don't think old, 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 old. Brethren, you are what you think. You end up what you think. As a man thinks, so he is. What you believe is what your life turns out to be. Your life is a reflection of what you believe. Either you believe God or you don't believe God, you will show up in your life. This is not a matter of effort. It's a ma Jesus said everything comes from the heart. So think new. That's what the scripture is saying. And the gospel changes life when it's believed. The good news is that God has set us free, changed our nature, gave us the nature of his son, and blessed us with every blessings in heaven. The good news changes life only when it is believed. If Colossians 1, 6 to 7, I'm reading New Living Translation. This same good news that came to you is going 
out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it, it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful, go back, I've not finished, God's wonderful grace. See what he's saying? This good news about the grace, the works of grace, the sufficiency of grace, it's changing people who accept it, who simply believe it. Grace is sufficient. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to improve on it. God doesn't require you to do anything else except believe it, believe it, rely on it, say so. And you will see the manifestation of it. And the scripture, Jesus said, you know, you can do exactly the works I've done. You can live exactly the life I've lived. You can't. Why? Because it's our life. Christ is our life. If Christ is my life, why should my life be, be different? It's the same Jesus now. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If Christ is my life, then I can live his life. He says the works I did, you can do. The life I lived, you can live. Period. Why? Christ is in me. He's the spirit that walks in me. He's the one. And if he's the one, all I need to do like Paul is to believe him who died for me and gave himself for me. All I need to do is to believe him. I see his glory. I see what he does in my life and I will not forget him. He will be in view all the time. And the, script, the, the scripture tells us that the gospel is the power of God. Let's remember that the word of God is powerful. The Bible says the word of God is so powerful, it reaches every part of a human being, your spirit, your soul, everywhere. It, there's nothing hidden from the word of God. There's nothing the word of God cannot handle. The, that's why the scripture said, if you find the word, you find life. You find help. It's power. The gospel is the power of God. Anybody that believes the gospel accepts the power of God packaged in what form. And that power goes to work. The truth doesn't work until you believe it. The truth is dormant. Until you accept it, believe it, and say so. Christ is the truth. Until you put your faith in him alone, it will lie dormant right there. And you'll be struggling to be better to do this. You will fail. Because if you could do this, why did he come to die? Why did he have to come and die? All those things we do, they are not works of grace. The only thing that's work of grace is what he did. So look at what Paul wrote in Romans 7.4. Romans 7.4. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. Paul, what is the point? You die to the power of the law when you die with Christ. When you die with Christ, you, law, all this bunch of laws is not what makes you what you are. He said you die to all those kind of stuff. Now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. I illustrated these things, united to Christ. Your spirit is joined to his spirit. Just like a father and a mother joined together to produce. There can't be seed produced except they join together. 
is the same thing here. You can't produce fruit unless your spirit is joined to the spirit of Christ. And so because we are simply joined to him, and this happened when we came to him. He said because we are joined to him now, as a result, we can produce harvest of good deeds for God. Simply by joining to Christ. How did you join to Christ? You believed. You didn't do anything to join to him. You just be only believe and you shall be saved. That's all you did. And all the same way you live is continue to believe. Continue to trust in the works of grace. That's all. That is all. Romans 7, 6. But now, we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God. Now we can serve God. Not in the old ways of obeying the letters of the law. You can't drift back to works. You cannot. Paul said this craziness because it's an impossible way. It's a dead end. You can't. We are no, we can, now we can serve God in the, not in the old way of obeying the letters of the law. You cannot produce new set of laws. You cannot say, say Moses, we are not interested in your law, but here is new ones. You cannot. Letters of the law, but the new way of living in the spirit. What does it mean to live in the spirit? It's to walk by faith. It's to walk in the grace. That's what it means. The flesh cannot trust God. The flesh cannot receive the things of God. But your spirit can. When you walk by the spirit, you are receiving it by your spirit. You are accepting it by your spirit. You are, you are walking in, in line with what God said. You are walking by faith, not by sight. And Paul taught us what it means to walk in the spirit right here. In Philippians 3.3, For we who worship by the spirit of God, are ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. That's working in the spirit. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Simple. Case closed. We rely on the works of grace. Not what human effort, what a man can do. Those things, they are dead end. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, we can't please God. People of God, we cannot please God without faith in Christ. The victory of a Christian is his faith in Christ. Victory over sin, over the world, over corona, over whatever, over whatever. And those who do trust in him will never be put to shame. Victory. This is your victory. Even your faith. Those that believe that Jesus is the son of God. They live in victory over sin, over the world. They live in authority. They live in power. They live in blessings because grace is sufficient to handle everything. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody produces his own grace. You can say, brethren, I am walking by my grace. There is only one grace that is sufficient. That is the grace of Jesus and that is what Jesus did for you. The things he gave us freely by his grace. Those are the things we need to believe. If we believe them, our life turns out like that. So no man can glory. That's why Christ is our glory. That's why Jesus is our glory. That's why we boast in him. And because we have been changed and given this new life, see, there are three things that will help us to keep Jesus in view. Three things. I'm going to run through them. Number one is staying in fellowship with him. 
Number two is walking in the meek nature he already gave us. Number three is worshiping him. Public worship, private worship, and we see the greatest worship that makes every other worship meaningful. But number one is staying in fellowship with him so that we don't forget Christ. So we don't say, oh, Christ is here, I know it not. Because like I said, the moment he's no more in our focus, we sleep, because we are religious people, we sleep into legalism quickly. And once you sleep into legalism, fear will come, failure will come, confusion will come, sickness will come. You'll be praying, it won't be power. You won't see anything. Because faith is your victory. You'll be doing all those things, and year upon year, you, you won't change. But you talk religion, but you won't change. Because transformation comes only when we change our thinking. Wrong thinking will perpetuate you in wrong life. Right thinking will, will manifest the right life. As a man thinks, so he is. So look at having fellowship with him. Jesus said in John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of this world where we live. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, because I am his life. If Christ is my life, if Christ is light, why should I walk in darkness? I should walk in the same life of Christ. He's saying, if you follow me, you walk in my life. I gave you my life. I handed my I living in you I am the light of this world you carry that light in you you don't have to walk outside in darkness he said I'm the light of the world he that followed me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life and we have the light of life Christ is the life of this world and I have it and as long as I'm walking in his life as long as I'm walking in his truth the word of God is light it's lamp, it's light. As long as I'm walking in the gospel truth, I'm not walking in darkness. To walk in darkness is to step outside the light of the gospel, the light of the word of God, and walk in religious whatever. That is bunch of darkness. Because not coming from God. And it will lead you to all manner of iniquity because it's baseless. It has no power to keep you from sin. It has no power at all. Because you're relying on yourself. You are relying on what you're going to do. And without faith, you can't please him. Without faith, you can't walk holy, period. You can't. Salvation is not of man. God swore, he said, they will all say salvation is of the Lord. You will always confess it, salvation is of the Lord. Every knee bows to Jesus. So, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then look at 1 John 1, 6. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We can't have fellowship with him. He can't be in view when we are walking in unbelief, when we are doubting him, when we are walking outside the gospel truth. The Bible says that when you don't accept the, the testimony of God, you call him a liar. How can you walk in fellowship with the spirit of Christ when you are calling him a liar? You don't want to accept what he's telling you. There's no fellowship. There's no agreement. Two can walk together except they agree. We have to believe the word to walk in fellowship, to walk in the light. And then look at admonition to walk in the light. Ephesians 5, 7. Don't participate in the things these people do. Look at why you shouldn't participate, brethren. Look at why you shouldn't participate. For once you were full of darkness. You were not in Christ. You didn't have the light of this world. You were, you were alive for sin, sinful nature, full of darkness, under the control of Satan. 
But now things have changed. But now you have life from the Lord. You have life from the Lord. You are not what you used to be. So live as people of light. Simple. Believe that you have life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you have me, you can't walk outside the truth. You walk within the truth. You walk within the life I gave you. He gave us this life. He gave us this life. For the, this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. It produces only what, it is the light within me that produces these things. It's not me. It's not me. I, if I trust him, he produces these things. Look at this thing. I want to show you awesome. Look at this thing. This is called flashlight. In, in Nigeria, we call it touch. Americans don't know what touch means. They call it flashlight. Look at this flashlight. Can you see the light? It's showing, right? Okay, fine. The only thing that makes it show is when I switch on my faith, the switch. The switch is like my faith. If I switch it on, I have contact. Pam, there's contact, comes on. If I disconnect by unbelief, the light goes off. He is the light in me. Brethren, this light I'm seeing. Look at what makes it happen. Is this thing? Without this thing, no matter what this thing is doing, it's dead. There's no life in it. There's no light in it. Brethren, without this, this, listen. Look at the touch. Do, do whatever you like. You can't produce light. Because the source of light is this. Jesus in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. He says, I'm the light you have. I am your light. I am your power. I am your battery. I'm your strength. I'm everything. And the only way you can do this, rely on me. You rely on me. The power that does this, brethren, is in here. So when I put it here, Christ in us, Christ in me, produces the light. Produces. It produces. It's producing. But I have to connect with him by faith. If I don't connect with him by faith, then there's no production. Once I connect with him by faith, it's automatic. But you know, sometimes our faith haven't really grown, so the light is dim. The more you trust him, the more the light, the more the ray of light you see. Jesus said, only believe and you shall see it. You shall see this. Only believe. Only believe. You shall see it. Only believe. So he said in the Romans 5, 7, he said, don't participate in the things these people do. You know why they do those things? The Bible said their mind is darkened. They don't have the life of God in them. Their mind is darkened. They don't have the knowledge of the truth. They don't have the knowledge of Christ. But you do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have, you have light from the Lord. So leave as people of Live as people of light. That is verse 8. Now, do you know what the scripture teaches us about walking outside the light? Walking in darkness? He said, this walk of darkness, they defy the Christian. It robs him of his glorious status in Christ. It robs him of his glorious status in Christ. That's why the Bible says, this thing should not be once named among you has become a sense of God. 
we have a status. We sit with Christ in heavenly places. These things is below our dignity. They are really below our dignity. You know? So he says it robs us of our, of our dignity as Christians and because it brings shame. And it robs us of our dignity and status as children of God. This should not be once mentioned. It's way below your dignity. It's like the prodigal son from this rich, well-provided family eating with pigs. That's what it's like. He walked away from the place of free grace, things provided, and, and in his mind, planned what to do. He walked away from grace and walked into all these things and walked and started eating with pigs. It robs us of our boldness because when the prodigal son came back, he said, I'm no more worthy to be your son. See, that's what happens. It robs you of your faith and boldness. You know. And then robs you of your fellowship with the Spirit of Christ. You know, the prodigal son lost fellowship with his father because he walked away. He walked away into unbelief. They didn't trust the father no more. When you do that, you walk away from fellowship with him. And they blind you spiritually, leaves you like Samson with no eyes. Then number two is a humble spirit. We have it already because by nature, the nature we have is the nature of Christ. That nature you have is submissive to God. It's very, very submissive to God. The, what is not submissive to God is our flesh. But our spirit is by nature, by nature, by nature, created in the nature and the image of God. It's submissive to God. Matthew 11, 20, 29. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. Brethren, if the, if the nature of Christ is humble and, and gentle at heart, isn't that my new nature? Isn't that your new nature? Is it not what Christ gave us? The light in us, the Christ who is my life. I said, he said, when you learn and understand that Christ is humble and gentle at heart, you will find rest for your souls. You will stop struggling, struggling in life, struggling to live holy, struggling to do this, struggling and struggling. You find rest. What did the scripture say? When we walk in faith, we cease from our labor. And depend on his own labor. The Bible warned us to labor, to enter into this race. Jesus said, when you learn of me and find my life I gave you, you are going to have race. You stop trying to reproduce it. You already have it. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's even pride. We try to show all people that we're holy, we're ginger Christian, we're anointed, and all that kind of things. But what we forget is we turn out to be ostrich. Because while you put your head in the sand, a lot of things you are dropping behind is showing who you are. It's laughable. <laughs> really, really laughable. Because we can't hide anything from many people. Say, so take my yoke upon you. Philippians 2.5 tells us how to do that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Say, think like Jesus. Believe what Jesus believes about you. What does Jesus believe about me? I have his nature. What does he believe about me? He's my life. What does he believe about me? I'm a new creature. He, because he's the one that did this. He believes I'm a new creature. He believes that the body of sin has been cut away from me. 
He believes I'm highly favored. He believes. Believe what he believes. Have the same mind Christ had. Believe what Jesus believes about you. So both of you can work together. So you see the spirit of Christ manifesting in your life. Believe what he believes. The same mind he has. Have it. He, 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 look, who being in the form of God did not consider a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, become obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, giving him the name which is above every other name. He's telling us that we have this nature that is submissive to God. That is very submissive to God. Like Christ was submitted to God. You know what, what humility means? Humility means submission to God. The word meekness means submission. Jesus said, I'm meek and lowly in heart. So we too have that nature. We can't be submissive. We can't. Why? It's my nature. So I got to start thinking like Jesus thinks about me. I can't think of what I used to do. I think, oh, I'm finding it difficult to submit to God. No, because you don't believe you have that what Christ believes about you. Once you begin to believe what he believes about you, the two of you can work together now. That joining with him now begins to be activated. Remember, it's your faith that activates the word of God. It's your faith that gives activity to the power of God. It's your faith. Can we forget the, the woman with the issue of blood? The power was there. Jesus was there, but it was not activated until that woman came and acted in faith. And power activated and left Jesus. The same way, you have the life of Christ. You have all these things. It will lie dormant until you believe it like that woman. Until you believe it, it activates this thing. It will come out and people will see the glory of Jesus in your life. Look at how God, God appreciates humility. First Peter 3, 3. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Jesus said, learn of me, I'm gentle. That's the nature you have, which is so precious to God. This is how, listen to this. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God. This life, you see, was as a result of trusting God and accepted the authority of their husbands. They lived this life by trusting God. I want to make a statement here. All the people that you saw in the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith, were people who walked by faith only. There was no law at that time. If there are people in the New Testament there, most of them came from when there was no law. You knock, for instance, you walk with God, please God. What law did he obey? All he did was trust God, believe God. He trusted God and God produced. Moses trusted God. Why Israel was looking for power and looking for miracle, looking for hands. Moses was saying, God, teach me your ways. And he said, if I found grace in your sight, Lord, I want to find grace. And he did. God said, I will show mercy to whom I will show. What, did he, what happened to Moses? He became a very meek man. And God was talking to him face to face. Moses was meek as a result of his total confidence and reliance on the grace and mercy that God showed him. You know, even, even when correcting people, that nature of Christ shouldn't leave us. 
Galatians 6, brethren. I'm reading from verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, let that also be tempted. Well, you see, that nature doesn't leave you. Even when you are correcting somebody, the meekness of Christ motivates it. The love of Jesus motivates it. There's no arrogance in Christ. If you are correcting somebody, it's not even because you're better. It's because the grace of God made you what you are. Grace of God made you what you are. You say it can be you. The grace of God kept you away from those things. So you don't correct in arrogance. As if today say the person is now your enemy. 2 Timothy 2.25. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. God is the one that changes a man. If God will grant them repentance so that they will know the truth. They don't know the truth. That's why they are doing these things. But when you want to correct, it's in humility why you have that meek spirit, that meekness of Jesus. It's in your nature. It's ingrained in you. And there's no need for argument. My brothers and sisters, avoid argument. Argument brings quarrel between husband and wife, between friends, and argument over what has no value. The Bible says we must not argue. It's not profitable. State your point. Leave it alone. Only God can change a man until God gives him repentance so that they come to know the truth. You can't force it on anybody. You've got to love everybody. Remember that Jesus still loves those people. They can't be your enemy because they don't see your point. 2 Timothy 2.14. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless. They're worthless. And they can ruin those who hear them. And again, it's swear by pride sometimes, you know, my ego. How can it be that I'm not right? And then you argue and argue until your wife sleeps this way and you sleep this way on the same bed. You face the wall, he faces empty space. And God is saying, where do I stay? The devil comes in and jumps in and says, yeah, see, she doesn't like you. Yeah, he doesn't love you. And from there, divorce is creeping in from what doesn't really mean anything. Let them win the argument, my brethren. It doesn't matter who wins. The most important thing is stay in the work of grace. That's all. Jesus is all that matters. It's not if you won an argument, did it work? So what does it matter? So we shouldn't argue over words. Then number three is worship. Brings us to the third point, the final point on this thing. Worship. Worship brings the manifestation of the presence of God. It makes the presence of God real to us as God manifests when we worship him. Second Chronicles 5, 13. Second Chronicles 5, verse 13. The trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words. He is good. He, his faithfulness, faithful love and endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue with their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. When we worship God and worship God with all our heart, the glorious presence fills the temple. It makes divine presence manifest in the life of a congregation and in the life of a Christian. So we worship God with our lips like they were singing. 
We worship God, but you know, private worship is what really brings serious, more seriousness to your public worship. Let me make a statement here. What you can't do privately, you are doing it publicly, it doesn't add up. Because you may be doing it because others are doing it, you may be doing it because oh, it's a tradition. Is that one you do privately that lends credence to what you do publicly? If you don't pray privately, your public prayer may be because we are here to pray. If it's in your heart to pray, you will pray privately. If it's in your heart to worship God, you will worship privately in your closet. If it's in your heart to know God, to seek to know him, you will carry your Bible like Mary in your closet and study it. And brethren, Jesus said, it is those things we do in the closet that he rewards in public. Because that is what is showing that we want this thing, we desire this thing. It's in our heart. It's important to us. A lot of people listen to sermons like this, go to church, and they don't do no pri serious private study like the Bereans do. They don't, and that's why the word of God doesn't stick in their mind. Because it goes in here and go, goes out there, and they go back to legalism, go back, because they don't know what the scripture is saying. They can quote it, but they have no revelation. Because they don't have the desire to, to pay the price. Paul said, I traveled in prayer for you, for Christ to dwell in your heart by faith. For the reality of his presence to be revealed to you. He said, I prayed. I agonized. These things don't come when you don't desire them. They are, they are God's jewels. They are, God said, I don't give to pigs my jewels. My, yeah, my, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, he won't give you the precious things if you don't desire them. I'm telling you, you can't be in church and do whatever you like. Unless your heart, yes, thirsts after it, you won't get it. And what proves that you are testing after it is that private one you are doing. The time you are spending there. If it's important to you, you give it time. When you go home in your private worship, you, you, in your closet, you lift up your hands and begin to worship God and give him all the praise and give him all the glory and sing unto him. That's what lends greatness to what you do in public. If you don't do the private one, forget it. And the greatest form of worship is to totally give Jesus our life. That's the greatest form of worship, is to surrender our lives to him. Why? He bought us with a price. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We cannot seize what belongs to him. First Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. You are not your own. The greatest form of worship is to give to God what belongs to God. Give him what he paid for. Surrender your entire life to him. He bought you on the cross, not in slavery, but an act of love where he, he wants you to belong to him. So he gives you the best of life. Paul described himself as a slave of Christ. He said, he said I'm ready to die for him. It's, an, it's, a, it's a love relationship. It's not a taskmaster thing. 
It's a love of a father, of a loving Jesus, and saying, I paid the price for you. Come out of darkness. Come out of destruction. Come, belong to me. Let me, let me beautify your life. Give me your life. Let me beautify it. I show it to the world. Let them see my glory through you. When you say, yes, Lord, I hand over my life. That's the greatest worship anybody can do. And that's what, that, I'm telling you, look at this scripture. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 8, from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the church of Brazil. You see? You see what grace does? You see what grace does to these people? That in great trail of affliction, the abundance of their joy, they were not murmuring. Abundance of grace, they have trusted in the grace of God and the works of grace. See what is producing in their life. It produces only that which is good. That even trial of affliction cannot snort out their joy. And in their deep poverty, they were joyful. They know in whom they believe. They have received something more precious in life. Christ himself, the riches of God, is superior to any other riches. They found that they were complete in Christ. They lacked nothing. They were deeply poor, but they abounded the riches of their liberty. They were giving. They were still giving. This is faith. The Bible talks about the grace bestowed upon them because they received the grace of God with joy. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, even beyond their ability, they were freely, willingly imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. Look at, the, look at what grace does. Deep poverty, deep pain, deep affliction. They, like now, a lot of things are not the way it should be. But many people are in sorrow. Many people have lost their joy. Many people don't sleep. Many are butterfly. They are not like these ones. Like Job, they say, I know in whom I believe. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. They say, have Jesus in view. They say, give, take, even though we don't have. Take the one we have. Why? They know the source. It's coming. They know where it's coming. Imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hope. We thought that this is all they can, you know, this is the, the gift they are giving us is all. No. Not only as we are hope, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. That is the key thing. They first gave themselves to the Lord who bought them, who paid, who gave them this loving relationship free, and then to us by the will of God. The will of God is to give yourself first to the Lord before any other thing we are giving him. That is the greatest worship. You can't stop because of poverty, because of no job. Because, no, 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 no. When you know Christ's sufficiency, your joy will never dry. Because he is the source of joy. He is the source of joy. Nothing, Paul said, none of these things move me. He is the source of joy. You, you, you know the peace of God, pass it all understanding. It will guide your heart. Great peace. Activity of the spirit within you. That's why this getting out of grace is not good, good, too good for you. Because when you get out of grace, you think like the world. You get into all this worry and just like them. 
And you talk like them. You talk like them. Thursday, by the grace of God, we're going to deal with these things. Again, in different forms. Now, Jesus talked about polluted worship. Matthew 15, 8. Polluted worship. These people draw nigh unto me with their mouths only. And honoreth me with their lips only, but their heart is far from me. They kept their life from me. They are not, they are not like this, 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 this people we read. They are not like that. No, no, no. They are not like that. They, are, they come and say, worship you, Lord. They have not given me their life. They have not surrendered it like this church. They have not. I don't have it. They have it. They control it. That's polluted worship. It does not bring the presence, it does not bring the manifest presence of God. Whether it's a church group, whether it's an individual, it doesn't bring it at all. Because the first and primary service, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is to surrender ourselves to God like this, to give him this life. So that's your reasonable service. That's your reasonable worship. That's the primary, primary, number one, most important worship. Anybody will say, you are the Lord, here take you bought it. I belong to you. All yours. And then Jesus said, if you do this, I will reveal myself to you. Because two cannot work together except they agree. And I want to give us opportunity to do something. We're going to sing this song. And I want everybody to, either you kneel down where you are, or you stand up, whatever is more convenient for you, we are going to surrender our lives to him in true worship. We start with what this church did. We are going to do it. We are going to sing that song, I surrender. And as we are doing it, uh, before, listen to me first. Listen, listen. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. I want us, as we are doing this, please listen to me and do what I'm telling you. Follow these things now. I want you to ask God to forgive the sins of your nation, America or Nigeria or wherever you are listening, to forgive our sins. We have thrown God out. We have exalted ungodliness. We have exalted God publicly, privately, Iniquity, we have brought in iniquity. We have dared God. Brethren, I'm telling you, you better listen to me. We have dared God. And now everything we have has failed. We need to ask God to forgive our sins as a church, the body of Christ. We, have not, we don't preach the gospel as we should. Some, some, we use God to bless us, but we don't want God to use us to bless people. There's iniquity in the church. There is iniquity in the church. There is adultery, there's fornication. There's iniquity in the church. People don't believe the gospel. It grieves God. The church does not show the glory like it should. We should ask God to forgive the sins of the body of Christ for not preaching the gospel and living the life I ask God to forgive you. And then surrender it all to him. That's what we're doing now. So as we play this thing, 
Wherever you are, I want you to either stand up, kneel down, but ask God to forgive the, the sins of America. The sins of your nation, many of you listening outside the borders of America. The sins of the body of Christ in not preaching the gospel, in making money, number one, instead of Jesus. In making man's glory, number one, instead of Jesus. We, are not, we don't support missionaries as we should. We don't love souls as Jesus did and died for them. It grieves God. We don't have the boldness to preach the gospel. It grieves God. But the Holy Spirit of boldness lives in us. And you are going to tell God to forgive you. To forgive you too. And we're going to surrender it to all. Can we play now? Everybody. Brethren, this is not a joking matter. Wherever you are, if you can kneel down, kneel down. If you can stand up, stand up. But get him, everybody must get him. I don't want anybody, I want everybody in this thing. I have instruction on this thing. Anybody who doesn't get involved loses. We can sing it now.